Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am, I am CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and I help hardworking women and couples who have survived abuse be vibrant, alive, magnetic, and passionate while creating healthy, intimate relationships. And I'm coming to you from New Jersey. You might be able to hear the very peaceful raindrops outside my window. It's very soothing. We're having very cold, rainy weather, but I'm okay with it because it's, you know, it's that time of the year. It's the fall. We can't act like we're surprised that this is what happens. It's the fall. We're, you know, sort of evolving into winter time. It's good stuff. And, you know, we're, we're because it's the fall, we're on our theme, healing the mother-daughter relationship. Our theme continues tonight. And tonight I'm going to talk about 10 reasons the boundaries you've set may not be working. I know it's just such serious stuff, right? All of this stuff that I've been talking about, you know, I've been doing solo shows for the last few shows. All of this stuff is going to be included in my book, I'm Not Mad, But She's Still Crazy, Getting Right With Mom For The Sake Of My Love Life. So I'm sharing it with you just like a little bit by a little bit, just so, you know, you can kind of get an idea of what you're going to be reading about or what it's going to be all about. So I want to pull you guys into that. And, um, you know, tonight and every Monday night, I want to cause radical self-acceptance and help us all keep creating fulfilling and happy love lives. And that's what this is all about. But first, happy Monday, everybody. You are listening to Armed Radio, maybe with your smart device, with the TuneIn app, or you're in the garden on armedradioglobal.com. We're also available on iHeartRadio, so don't forget to follow us and download your favorite shows. And for people who like to stream, we're um, on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. And um, maybe you're live here on the Facebook, possibly, maybe. I don't see, oh, I see somebody's trickling in. Maybe my Kenya, somebody's gonna trickle in. As you're trickling in on the Facebook, you guys know when you're here on the Facebook, if you wanna interact with me, you wanna talk to me, um, you know, this is the time to do it. This is the time where you get to, you know, interact, be in the conversation, ask questions if you want to, it's good stuff. My computer's a little bit delayed, so I'm kind of behind, but you know, I am, I can see your comments and that's the important thing. And, um. Yeah, if you are live on the Facebook, I want you to join the groups. I want you to join my Ask for Candy group, and I want you to join Armed Radio Group News so you know what's going on over there. Uh, also, let's see. Yeah, that's it. Make sure you like my business page. Oh, and if you have any questions or comments that you want to make during the course of the conversation, you can email me at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. So those are for the shy people who don't want to necessarily put their business out there or, you know, they don't want to like expose themselves. I get that. Although I have a coach who says, expose yourself to expand yourself. And she's right about that. You know, it's all about when we tell the truth, but everybody's not ready to tell their secrets. So I get that. I totally get that. So like I said, I'm CandiceHarborLoveCoach.com and my talent is conversation, my passion is personal growth, and my purpose is to teach and inspire radical self-acceptance in myself and in others so that we can all have our best possible love life. And that is why this is a conversation. I'm not here to hand down any dating or relationship rules or rights and wrongs. So if you're here for that, the, you know, Steve Harvey wrote a book. There's a whole lot of people out there who've, who've written dating books that will give you all kinds of rules to catch them and keep them or, 
you know, do whatever you want with them. I don't necessarily subscribe to all of that stuff until you've got the healing out of the way, until you are whole. I don't think it's a good idea to be doing those tactics because you they work. And if you haven't healed yourself, they work and you will attract exactly who you are. So I always say, I'm not here to hand down the rules of the rights and wrongs. I'm not here to shame, shame anybody's love situation. My only intention is to create audacious intimacy, seductive singlehoods, and healthy relationships. Help us all get healed. Help us all grow and you know move forward and be our 100% best possible selves so that what we attract is something that works for us. And tonight, you, the audience, my armed radio peeps and my, my Facebook peeps that trickle in. I see my friend Shanton is here. Hi, my love. You guys are my audience. You guys are my special guests tonight. And you are here for the 10 reasons why your boundaries may not be working. Boundaries. Boundaries is like a buzzword right now. Boundary. I set my boundaries. I walked away because I have boundaries. Boundaries because I'm trying to be healthy and take care of myself. And so we're going to be talking about 10 reasons why your boundaries may not be working. And so the reason that I came up with this topic is because there are a couple groups that I am involved with um, just by, you know, profession and my own experiences. And I believe in healing communities. So there's a couple groups like there's a, um, you know, groups around being a daughter ra raised by a narcissistic mother. mother like I joined these groups because of my own journey. And I, and I joined these groups because it also helps, you know, for research and understanding and, and building, you know, my coaching and things like that. Also for research for my book as well. So what I notice a lot is the word boundaries comes up a lot. It's all about the boundaries when it comes to this topic of abuse, right? And the boundaries you can set or the boundaries you do set. So, um, and there's a lot of complaints that the boundaries don't work, especially when it comes to the mother-daughter relationship, because there's usually a control thing going on. And so, you know, it's very rare that a mother will heed to the boundaries if the boundaries haven't been set in a way that's effective. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Like, how do you, um, you know, especially in the parent-child relationship, and that said, being able to master this stuff in parent-child relationships means that you um, can master your romantic relationships. So I just got a notification from Jimmy that I'm cutting in and out. Jimmy, I don't know what to do about that because I think it might be the weather. Like, I don't know if it's an internet thing because I am having like little connection problems. Let me just double check my connection. Make sure. I mean, my connection should be good. I'm all signed in. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening, honey. It's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to just hope for the best. So yeah, if it cuts out, I'll, you know, I'll try to send you a recording. I'm trying to do a little side recording. I don't know if a garage band is acting right, but if it does keep cutting out, then I'll send you a recording of it for later for replays. But so yeah, we're going to be talking about the 10 reasons that your boundaries may not be working. So let's dive on in. Let's do it. So number one, you announce them, but you don't follow through with your own word. So you don't have integrity around it. When we, when we set boundaries and we don't follow through, we're just making threats, right? So, um, you know, one of the big things that comes up in these uh, groups around abuse is, you know, the going no contact. So, you know, I, I feel like boundaries and narcissism are two big buzzwords 
right now in our whole life management system, in our culture and in our society. I do think that, you know, narcissism is a spectrum. And I think that that very few of us can say that we are 100% you know, void of ever having narcissistic behaviors. I do think that all of us on some level have some narcissism. And then sometimes we're raised by people who are clinical, chronic, unhealable narcissists. That does happen. And so a lot of times no contact comes up, especially with adult, adult children of narcissistic or abusive parents. And, you know, especially if they then have children. So then there's this whole thing of like wanting to keep your kids away from what you had to deal with and all of that. So no contact comes up a lot. And so if you decide to set the boundary of no contact, but your idea is that you're going to set that boundary and then get some sort of reaction out of them, or it, you think it's going to change their behavior in some way. I notice a lot of people comment feeling like if I set no contact and she doesn't say anything back, then she doesn't care about me. Or if she does say something back, then that's a problem too. Cause that's the thing that happens. This is a very real thing that happens not to invalidate anybody's feelings around dealing with an abusive parent, but we turn into them. And so we're doing the same thing they're, they've done to us, which is you can't ever do anything right. So no matter how they respond or don't respond, you know, there's an attachment to having them do something. So that's, you know, that's setting a boundary that then you don't follow through with your word because you're not really wanting to set a boundary. You're wanting to get them to do something. You're attached to having them be something or move in some way that you'd like for them to move. So that's why it doesn't work doesn't work. Your attachments to, to getting someone else to do something and this expectation that because you take control, then that person will then comply. Um, it's, it's not invalid that you, that, that would be what you'd want to do because that's, you know, what we're taught in an abusive parent child situation, but it doesn't work. It didn't work on you and it's not going to work to do it back to your parents. You can't control them in that way. So number two, you are financially or otherwise dependent on the person that you're also trying to control. So that like fits right in with that. So insisting that you go no contact or um, that that person behave in a way that you want them to behave or that, you know, and this is for adult children still living in your parents' house, which I don't judge that at all. But if you're living there, you got to understand that you are relinquishing a level of control over your life. And if you were raised by an abusive parent, you have to be very aware that you are relinquishing control to that abusive parent. And so by trying to uh, attempt to set any sort of boundaries around what they do as an adult child who's financially dependent on them, you kind of have put yourself into a, uh, a very difficult situation, a very challenging situation. Because if you think about it, if you were taking care of, let's say, your own child, or if you were taking care of someone, and then they told you that they were going to dictate how things are going to go, you may not respond in the same way your abusive parent responds, but it, it wouldn't really work for you. It wouldn't work for you to be the payer of the bills and then also being told how it's going to go down. And this is not to defend any kind of abusive behavior. This is I'm not on the side of daughters or mothers. I'm on everybody's side as far as, you know, getting this healing right. But we want to just be really cognizant of where we're not taking responsibility. And it's the same for, you know, older elderly mothers who often become dependents on their children. So you're not in charge anymore. If 
you're that mother who now depends on your child, especially if you depend on them financially, if you live with your adult child and there's a dependence there, you're not in charge anymore. That's it. You don't get to control things anymore. So, you know, the boundaries that you try to set on that person, vice versa, they don't work. They don't work if you're not independent. So that's uh, number two reason why your boundaries may not be working. Number three, when we set boundaries from a place of fear and anger. So rather than focusing on our own well-being, because sometimes the boundaries do have to be set, and I'm going to talk later about how you can effectively set a boundary. But if you're not focused on your own well-being, if, if the idea of setting the boundary is not about um, getting focused on how do I take care of my feeling good, uh, as opposed to how do I combat them making me not feel good or how do I, I change them and make them behave in a way that's going to work for me. It's like you're just, you know, you're setting, what you're setting are revenge tactics. You're, you're engaging in a battle for control when you do that. So the idea is that you want to be focused on your own well-being, not focused on making sure that this person helps you with your well-being because obviously they've proven that that's not that's not what they're capable of that doesn't mean that that's not what they're capable of forever but if someone has proven to you over and over again that their interest is their own wants and needs and they they usually don't really have a good understanding of their own well-being which is why they need you so much to fill them up and to give them narcissistic supply but if someone has has continually shown you that that's you know what they're they're capable of or that's what they're not capable of then you know the onus is on you to take care of your own well-being and this is what i talk about when i i love it when dr shafali says grow yourself up that's what growing yourself up is it's understanding your own well-being it's understanding your own um, you know, creating your own experience so that you show up in a way that works for you and not allowing what is outside of you to take control and to take over. So that's the point of boundaries, not to get somebody back or, you know, as a revenge tactic or control tactic, acting out of your fear and your anger. So that fear and that anger needs to be uh, looked at and healed. And I, you know, I've done a ton of shows about how you heal that and you know, I'll probably do more in the future as well. So then number four reason why your boundaries may not be working. So if you're stewing and you're like, you know, bubbling over about how much your mother drives you crazy, but you have never calmly communicated what is going on with you. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there's a lot of relationships out there, mother-daughter relationships, where it's always volatile and there's no space for that. I know that that exists where it's volatility. If you say anything to your mother, there's going to be defensiveness. If you say anything to your daughter, there's going to be defensiveness. And so it feels like there's just absolutely no space for communication and understanding. It feels like that can't even enter into the room when it's like that, right? So here's the thing about that. If you've only ever communicated through fighting, then she's looking at you, whether it's your daughter or your mother, through her perspective. And if when you tell her your feelings or you tell her that something hurts you or um, something that she does doesn't work for you and it's always in a space of fighting with each other, 
there's a perspective of you either that, you know, you're crazy. That was my perspective always until I, you know, did my work, did my healing, did my understanding. It was just that my mother was crazy. So out of that perspective, there wasn't room for anything else to get in. She's just crazy. She's just crazy. And we do that to each other, especially with family. We've known each other for a long time. We feel like everything that we know is the truth. We practice it as the truth. And so, you know, we write that person off. They're just crazy. And in that space, you can't understand the other person's perspective. There's no way to get to a point where you can actually see where each other is coming from as long as you're just through this lens of like, she's just a crazy person. That's it. She's just selfish. She's just defensive. She's, you know, whatever name you can come up with. And in these groups, these uh, abused daughters groups, there's a million names. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the daughters can come up with a million names for their mothers that are not their mother's name. <laughs> and I get that because I was in a space in, like that in my life, you know, many years ago and maybe not so long ago, but it took going through my healing process to get out of that space because you still, you know, when you're doing that, you're still thinking that it's her. That your that your experience is because of her, and when anything goes wrong, it's because of her. And so, yeah, through that lens, through that perspective, it's impossible to see anything else. It's impossible to come from a you know a place of of acceptance and openness and um, other aspects of that person's personality, and that's the hardest part, right? Is being able to get to that point. So that's that's. A, a big reason why your boundaries don't work. If you're setting your boundaries through yelling at somebody, if you're setting them, you know, because you're you're fighting with them, they're not going to work. Number five, you think that it's a battle and you're trying to win, right? So I mentioned it a little bit before, like, like you know, you're thinking, yeah, after all those times she controlled me, I finally got her, like. One thing I notice also on these groups, uh, these abused daughters groups, is there's a lot of vitriol. And I know that it comes from having been raised with it, right? I mean, I, you know, I hate to get on parents so hard out there, especially since I am not a biological parent. I have a lot of people that I've just adopted and that I take care of and nurture in the way I know how to do. But, you know, I'm not a parenting expert, so I'm not here to tell anybody how to parent. But you know, these young adults especially, but these people, they grow up and they have these ways of treating their parents. And <clears throat> a lot of times what the parents miss is that what they're following is example. They're not following what you told. We don't follow as human beings. It's like, you know, they say monkey see, monkey do. It, as human beings, we don't follow what our parents say as much as we follow what they do and as much as we emulate who they are. So if you don't teach your child respect by respecting your child, then you can't turn around when they get to an age where respect is required and think that they're going to understand respecting you. They might understand being afraid of you. They might understand that you know, you're gonna beat them until they behave in a certain way. And so if they behave that way, then you know, they've placated you. They might even understand manipulating you but they don't understand what it truly feels like and what it truly means to respect you unless you've taught them by emulation, like by modeling it so they can emulate it, right? So, um, you know, when these girls or these women, I should say, in these groups and, you know, women that I've worked with in mentorship, I used to um, 
work with an organization called Unlocking Futures, and it was all about young women who are from at-risk uh, homes and at-risk situations and how to break through that. But, you know, they get so angry, and you can always tell an abused daughter because the anger level is through the roof. And as she gets older, she might get a little calmer. I mean, it could go one of two ways. She either gets worse or she learns how to stuff it and make, might get calmer and have just like a, a, like a little bit of a tick, tick, boom. <laughs> it may take a little bit, but she can get there. But you know what it is, is that I'm, I'm emulating what my mother taught me, which is to have a hair trigger temper, to talk to me like I'm, I'm you know, worthless or I'm not valuable talk to me like how she talks to herself in her own head. So, you know, narcissists don't truly love themselves. They just are good at, at setting up a facade of loving themselves. And that's the whole problem with narcissism. So their inner dialogue is usually pretty harsh. They're usually perfectionists when it comes to themselves. They're usually pretty hard on themselves with their inner dialogue. And so that's what daughters pick up. That's what they emulate in their mother, that inner dialogue of, um, you know, I have to pretend I'm not valuable, I'm worthless, so I have to, you know, show it on the outside somehow, whether it's, you know, with my sexuality or with, you know, how many belongings I have or, you know, just a lot of different ways that we, we try to show out and just kind of look good on the outside because we haven't taken care of the inside. But we don't know to do that if we're not raised to do that and if that's not what was what was modeled for us. And so I say all of that to say, you know, when the, uh, the adult daughter has been abused and she's so hateful and vitriolic towards her mother, um, you know, a lot of times mothers don't understand. They don't understand where the hate came from because they don't understand that the way they treated their daughter or communicated with their daughter, even if it was well-intended. And a lot of times, crazy enough, it is. Like all that yelling and screaming and name-calling and, you know embarrassing and all of that stuff that can happen when you have a narcissistic mother it's a lot of times it's well intended like she actually wants the best for you she doesn't want to see you make the mistakes that she made she doesn't want you to um experience what she experienced or be used like she was you know possibly used or you know whatever the story may be but mothers don't understand a lot of times that what they're getting back from their daughters is, is what they've modeled and what they've shown them. And so another reason why uh, a boundary would not work is because it's coming from a vitriolic place of doing battle. Like, I'm giving you back what you've given me all these years. So, you know, Martin Luther King, I think, said, you can't, you can't uh, drive out the darkness with more darkness. Only light can do that. And it's a difficult thing. I'm not, you know, pretending that it's not, but by showing up the same way as your abuser, whether it's your mother, your father, or whoever, you aren't breaking any cycles. You're basically allowing yourself to become them. So that's why that boundary doesn't work. That's why boundaries don't work when you come from that place. And then number six, you have no purpose for setting the boundary other than to hurt the person that hurt you. So that's similar to what I was talking about before, but um, this touches on, let's say it's a no contact situation. If you don't take that no contact period to heal yourself, if the idea of, of not being in touch with that person isn't about focusing inward and seeing what you need to do in order to heal and strengthen and accept and to love yourself, and if it's really just about 
I have to hurt her. I have to hurt her back. I have to get her back. She deserves this. She deserves to not have, you know, get to talk to my children. She deserves to not get to talk to me after everything that I've done for her. Um, you know, the, she should know, she should know what it feels like to not have me in her life. Like if that's the mentality of your boundary setting, if that's what's behind it, and only you know, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, only you know what your truth is around it. But if your mentality is that, um, you know, you're, what you're doing is to get her back and it's not about um, taking care of myself, then the boundary is not gonna work. It's not gonna work because you're engaged in battle. You're engaged in battle with the, with the general who taught you how to go to war. You know, it's not worth it. And if you're the mother, you're engaged in battle with the soldier that you taught. <laughs> you know, and it, that, that's why the cycles are so vicious. The idea here is that if you set a boundary um, in a relationship, and even if it's a romantic relationship, the idea of setting boundaries is to take care of yourself, to turn inward and do your inner work. And I'm gonna talk a little bit, I'm gonna give you a few steps for what that means and how you do that when we get to the end. So then the other reason, and I, as always, I'm fire hosing, I know. Shantan, are you, I don't know if you're still here with me. I see someone still here with me. I don't know if that's you still, Shantan, or somebody else came in. It's hard to tell on the Facebook anymore. Anyway, those of you out there listening, I had to take a little sip of my water. Because I'm, I'm fire hosing, it's what I do. <laughs> I came up with 10, 10 reasons, so I'm giving it all to you. All right, so um, number seven, number seven reason why your boundaries may not be working. So the person that you're dealing with can't see it your way. I mentioned that a little bit about, you know, not being able to see it from your perspective, but while you're busy trying to get this person to understand that you've gone no contact or you want them to behave a certain way, they're perceiving you the same way you're perceiving them. As stubborn, unhelpful, um, you know, unengaged in the relationship. They're perceiving you in a way that um, just doesn't, you know, doesn't work. It doesn't have them, it's not gonna have them change any behaviors. It's not gonna have them uh, wanna smooth out your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much else I can say about that one because that's, um, you know, that's basically the crux of it. Number eight, you're falling into your own pathology by trying to fight your way through the relationship. So I mentioned this one before, but, you know, to further touch on it, it's like um, when we're in a space of refusing to break the cycle, when we refuse to break the cycle, um, what we're doing is inviting more of the same of what we've experienced. So even if, let's say, an abusive parent passes away and we continue to refuse to break the cycle, our abusive parent has, has passed away, um, we've, we have no forgiveness around it, we have no, um, you know, no sort of uh, re release or relief around it. We feel as though, you know, they were wrong, that's it. And we are still victimized by the tra trauma of our past. And you know, I'm not saying this with judgment. And the reason that I'm kind of slowing down with a little bit is because I don't 
want it to be perceived that I am in any way judging when you're in that space. It's like, uh, you know, just the willingness to, to begin the steps, the slow evolution of getting out of that space, that, that, that uh, pathology that you may be in, getting out of that um, unhealed, uh, and it is, you know, it can feel very uphill. It can definitely feel very much like an uphill battle. But even if you've lost a parent that was abusive towards you or, um, you know, a relationship has ended that was abusive towards you and that person is, is uh, no longer in your life, you don't want to be in a battle with your own pathology. You don't want to be in a battle with your past and your victimhood and your trauma and everything that you've been through. So in as much as, you know, those feelings are valid and, you know, it's not your fault that you, you've been through it. It's like, what can you do with it? How can you use it to your advantage? How can you um, heal it? How can you evolve it? How can you change it? Like that's sort of our purpose and our journey here in this life is to figure out how we can, we can take these things that happen to us and turn them into things that happened for us. How we can have them move through us and not let them dictate, define, and identify us, if that makes sense. And that's the whole journey. I mean, that's the whole purpose, the whole purpose of us being here. You know, for some people, it's like, you know, can I take these things that have happened to me, and I'm veering off of it a little bit, but can I take these things that happened to me and can I turn them into something that has me helping other people? Or can I take these things that happened to me and can I, at the very, very least, at the very, very minimum, heal myself from them and understand that my experience here on earth is completely dictated by my thoughts of, of what happens to me. So we can't control what other people do to us. We can't control how other people show up in our lives, especially as children, we're innocent. Um, but what we can do is take control of our thoughts and our, um, and our perspectives on all of it and our beliefs about all of it. And we can choose to not have it be our identity. We can choose to not have it be the thing that defines us and defines what our life is going to be like, right? But without the willingness to let go of that pathology, without the willingness to um, recognize that our abusers are human beings, and at one point they were innocent babies, and somebody did something or said something or, you know, gave them an experience that caused them to be who they became, maybe as parents or, you know, whoever, and they didn't heal it. And that's why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. Like when we can allow ourselves to get into that space and allow ourselves to get into that understanding, that's where our freedom lies. That's, that's the journey of our lives, right? Is being able to heal, heal those experiences and have them work in a way. 
and this is not me, you know, uh, proselytizing, if that's a word, <laughs> but I know that it's exactly what worked for me. Um, and I know that it's something that works, you know, for my clients. And I know that it's something that has worked for, you know, a lot of people that I, I read and research and listen to. So, you know, whatever modality you choose to use, it's really about having some sort of willingness, some sort of willingness to choose something, some sort of willingness to even begin the process and start taking the steps to alter your pathology. And here's the thing too, you know, when you come from certain situations, especially situations where we've been controlled a lot, we don't get to, to um, experience ourselves as powerful. So our lives are at the matter of our word. They're what we say they are. And if we align with what we say they are, that's what we get in life. If we align with who we say we are, that's what we get in life. And if we decide who we are and not let the past or our parents or someone else decide who we are, we get to choose what our experience is gonna be like. And the world is gonna continue being the world. You know, what's gonna show up is what's gonna show up. But when you make a decision to be someone different or be something what, uh, you know, that's different than what you were told you can be, you get to experience things in a way that works for you as opposed to experiencing things consistently in a way that doesn't work. Yeah, I don't know how I got on that whole tangent, but. <laughs> so number nine, uh, number nine of the 10 reasons why your um, boundaries may not be working is that you haven't experienced genuine inner peace and you haven't yet developed the skills that protect your peace. And so controlling other people does not protect your peace. Um, you know, making other people behave in a certain way doesn't work for one thing and it, and it's, and it won't protect your peace. It won't have you be peaceful because it's, if you, let's say you can, let's say you can control other people. Let's say you can control your child or control your mother to a certain point because, you know, you have intimidation on your side or they're physically not that strong or, you know, whatever. You can get people to do things, but you have to be able to sustain that. And so there's a lot of overwhelm in having to sustain someone else's behavior. So I had a friend earlier today on a post comment about, you know, I'll, I'll do things, I'll do things. And if that person is miserable, no matter what I do, then I'm out. So the flawed premise there is that there's things that we need to be doing in order to make someone not miserable, in order to make someone be okay, right? There's nothing peaceful about that. You know, if you are, and it's called codependency, if you are someone who has been raised by a narcissist or you've been raised with abuse, you know, you might be <clears throat> pretty codependent. You might be someone who feels like you have to be good enough and you have to do things well enough and that you have to uh, live up to a certain standard or, you know, if there, if you can do enough, then maybe you might win their approval. You might be of that mindset. And if you are, and if that's the mindset you're of when you're in your parent relationships, it's probably what shows up in your romantic relationships too. So when I'm in a place where I think that I can do enough to please another person 
and that it is my job to work to please that other person and that other person is unpleasable, I'm in a state of stress and overwhelm. There's no peace in that. I can't have peace with that person. Now, the problem is not that they're unpleasable. The problem is that I think that there are things that I'm supposed to be doing to make them happy. And when I'm attached to making somebody else happy, I might as well just be trying to make them unhappy. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but, but you know, it's those things that we try to force and control. They just do not work. You cannot make another person happy. You cannot do enough to make another person happy. If they're not showing up with their happiness, and if they are, here's the magical thing about when someone does show up with their happiness and they've already filled themselves up. There's very little that you can do that they won't be happy about. When someone is filled up and, um, you know, filled up from a loving, caring place and loves and accepts themselves, there's very little that you'll be able to do that, that would make them unhappy because they are they are aware of their own fulfillment. There's very little you can do, if anything, that can make them unhappy, at least for any long you know, or sustainable period of time, because they are aware of their own fulfillment. Yeah, so um, the idea here is to be aware of your own, your own fulfillment, like your own peace, and know how to protect your peace. And by protect your peace, it doesn't go back to how I, I make other people behave. It's how I align with, with, you know, how I behave and what I choose to do. And that brings me to number 10. Number 10 reason why your boundary might not be working. You still think that you will be able to control your mother or your daughter rather than turning the focus on controlling yourself. And that's true across all relationships. So if you think that it, boundaries are about setting them on the other person, if, if you think that it's about making that other person do what you want them to do, your boundaries are absolutely 100% not gonna work because it doesn't work to try to control other people. And if you think that there's anything that you can do to have someone else consistently be a certain way, you are setting yourself up for more abuse and more unhappiness. So, you know, boundaries are self-care, which means that you set them on yourself. They're self-care, self-care. Boundaries are to be set on me. If I have an issue, if I'm triggered, I have to set the boundaries on myself, which means that if someone is behaving in a way that feels hurtful and doesn't work for me, then I have to know how to treat myself, fill myself up, whether it means leaving the room or, or not being in a space with them. You know, I'm not saying that no contact is not right. I'm just saying that no contact with the intention of changing that other person is not gonna work. So, but no contact with the intention of changing myself and healing myself and healing what it is that they're triggering with it, within me, that is what works. You don't have to have any, any battles with anybody. You don't have to make any grand announcements. You don't have to, um, you know, 
I don't know, move the earth. It's just about being willing to turn inward to what you can control. It means that you don't engage, align, or give your energy to anything that disturbs your well-being. You do not have to engage, align, or give your energy to anything that disturbs your well-being. So um, set boundaries for yourself is what to do here. You set boundaries for yourself. You get clear about how you want to experience the world. And you teach yourself how to focus on all of the things that align with that. Or you find a community that will teach you that. A community of like-minded people who are doing what you're doing and you know doing the work and doing the healing. And you align with setting boundaries for yourself. You align with, you know, what is it that I need to do in this moment to take care of myself? When someone else, whether it be your mother, your father, your lover, your, you know, your sister, whoever, is, you know, spinning out of control or, uh, you know, treating you in a way that's hurtful and it's triggering you, the very first question is, what do I need to do to take care of myself in this? Do I need to walk out? Do I need to... Um, yeah, usually it's walk out. <laughs> but do I need to just be silent in this moment? Do I need to stop engaging? Do I need to stop the battle? Do I need to stop fighting? Do I need to um, eat something? Do I need to go to sleep? Do I need to, what can I do to restore my peace? That's the boundary. When things aren't working and it feels bad and I'm feeling triggered, I have to set a boundary on myself to not, not, be there for that, to not engage with that. I have to make the choice to not engage with it. What they choose to do, that's up to them, right? Self-care, self-care. So set standards for how you wish to be treated, set standards, and then follow them. Don't expect anybody else to follow your standards. They will if you follow them, they will. People will definitely align with how you treat yourself. People in your life will align with how you treat yourself. And if they can't, they usually will opt themselves out. We always think, oh, you know, we got to put this person out of our life or bring this person in. Or, you know, we think a lot of times boundaries are cutting people off, things like that. You don't have to do any of that stuff if you're aligned with taking good care of yourself. If you're aligned with only engaging with things that support your well-being. If you're aligned with being who it is that you say that you want to be in any given situation, you don't have to move people around. You don't have to push people in and out of your life because those who are also self-loving will align with you and attract to you. But those who are not, and, and you know, you might sometimes attract people who are not, but they can't stay long. They can't be around for it. They can't, you know, they can't deal with it. So set your standards for how you wish to be treated and then follow your standards. If you know that you don't want to be screamed or yelled at, then, then don't be there for that. And if that means that you got to get financially independent, if that means that you have to, um, you know, figure out whatever next steps to find your own corner of the world, if that means that you have to do whatever it is you need to do, that triggering is letting you know that it is time to take care of your well-being your well-being comes first. Without your well-being, you have nothing else. Right? So then another way to take care of your own well-being, and I say this, the F word, all the time, and sometimes people get a little bit antsy around it because we talk about the myths and misconceptions around the F word, is to forgive the past. 
so that you can start fresh and leave that abuse where it belongs. Leave all that trauma where it belongs. Back behind you. I mean, it's going to dissipate back there because the past doesn't exist anymore. Even the worst of the past, it doesn't exist anymore. Five minutes ago, it doesn't exist anymore. Right? So part of, you know, really taking care of yourself and setting the boundary, set the boundary of not letting resentment take up any more bandwidth in your mind. That's a great boundary to set. Don't let hatreds or resentments or... Um, you know, just leftover negative feelings. Don't let them have any more of your brain space. Don't let them have any more of your heart space. That's a good boundary to set for yourself. And then the last is to accept your life's journey and focus on how you can use it to your benefit every day. Because that's what it comes down to, is focusing on your life's journey, feeling good, taking care of yourself, making sure your well-being is in order. And I know for, you know, a lot of the parents and stuff out there, they're like, oh, but I got to do this. I got to take care of my kid. I got to do that. I, you know, I, some of us are, you know, sandwiched in between elderly parents and kids and all of that stuff. But if you're not taking care of yourself and your own well-being, if you're not finding that time and constantly putting yourself last and constantly in a space of trying to control everybody and you know hoping that they'll appreciate it hoping that they'll do better and be okay behind you uh trying to fill them up from your empty vessel i would bet and you can tell me if i'm wrong when you're watching this later if you're watching this on the youtube you can comment down below if you're watching this on the facebook you can comment you know later on or whatever I would bet that if you're that person, you're probably in a state of overwhelm and not feeling very good about yourself. And from that space, you are not taking care of your life and the people in your life in a way that is workable. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you may be doing the external things. You may be making lunches and you know doing all of that stuff. But if you're not taking good care of yourself, you're not taking good care of anybody else either. And I know that that's not some great revelation, but, you know, this is the reason why this stuff is so important and why it's so important to find this, this self-love and this understanding of, of what is possible. You know, people keep talking about boundaries, 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 narcissism, narcissism, narcissism. They're like buzzwords now. So, like, how do we actually heal it? How do we actually make a difference? It's, it's willingness. It's willingness. Right? Ah, it's so much. It's just so much to deal with, this life stuff. And already we're at 50. It went by so fast. It went by very fast. Hopefully the connection was all right. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, I don't know if Jimmy got a, got a good feed. Um, I do have a couple things coming up. Next week I have Lin Lindsay Weisner, who's a therapist, and we're going to be talking more about this mother-daughter healing stuff, and we'll come up with some really good topic around it. Hopefully I haven't firehosed you too much. Just stuff to think about. I am going to be, um, you know, putting this up on the YouTube as I always do or have, as I have been doing in the past couple of months because I had gotten very lazy and, you know, a lot of my past, uh, past videos are not up on the YouTube. But now they're going to be up on the YouTube and I am um, blogging. <laughs> I am blogging my life and my personal life and my own journey and how I apply all of this stuff to my own life. Because I, I'm not sitting here like on some soapbox telling you how you should live. 
I'm offering workability if you choose to accept it and if you choose to try it out. But I also am trying it all out in my own life and, um, you know, working on the mastery of it and working on what it means to implement certain things in my life and to learn and to grow and all of that stuff. So that's the point of all of it, right? Is that we're all practicing. And so, yeah, I'm vlogging. You get to see me like living normal life. The other day, uh, me and my friend Vanessa did a makeup review, just, you know, whatever. We're doing silly things. Come with me on my workout. You can see a lot of the deer that live around my little cottage where I'm staying right now. Um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of an adventure. And I, you know, I talked to you, I'll talk to you about like all the different events and things that I go to, things that I do. I went to see Michelle Obama last, last week or so. And so that's in one of the first vlogs or the first vlog. And so come to Ask for Candy podcast on YouTube and subscribe to that channel and you'll be able to watch these in the edited version. You'll get to, you know, watch whatever, interact, leave comments, and I will respond. So that's that. It's already 8.53 and, and um, my book, I'm Not Mad But She's Still Crazy, Getting Right With Mom For The Sake Of My Love Life. This book is for mothers and daughters. It's for all the abused daughters out there. It's for all the abusive mothers who are abused daughters. That's, I'm sure that's how you identify yourselves. And um, you know, if not, that's okay too, but it, it's for, for us to check it out, read it, and you know, see what kind of nuggets and what's there for you. And that is not available just yet. <laughs> But I'm working on it. I'm almost done with it. It's upcoming. The idea is that it's going to be uh, available for sale by February 2020. I'm almost done with the uh, first couple of drafts or the, you know, I'm on like the second editing draft and still adding more, all that good stuff. The other thing is the epic intensive. If you are an abused daughter raised by an abused daughter, coming up is registration for the Epic Intensive and that that's going to be opening up in January or we're going to be starting in January so you want to get registered now um, but if you follow the link on my business page Candace Harper Love Coach you can uh, get a free discovery call where we sit and talk about what the Epic Intensive actually is and Epic stands for Empowering Practices for Intimate Connections. The focus of the Epic Intensive epic intensive will be getting right with mom for the sake of your love life honey it's good stuff um we are turning stressed out or abused daughters into epic women so if you think your lifelong relationship with your mother may be negatively impacting your love life this is the intensive group coaching for you and if you want to heal master the skills to create healthy relationships start all over again from a clean slate and possibly attract the ultimate love of your life that's what that healing stuff does, honey. It starts to attract all kinds of fantastic people and you get to decide whether you want to choose them or not, which is a fantastic thing. It's so much better than chasing them <laughs> and hoping that they'll want to stay with you. So yeah, you get to start all over from a clean slate. Use the link on my business page, Instagram. I'm on the Instagram. You can follow me at Candy Love Coach or at Ask for Candy Podcast, or at Kirby Brown Yogi. Kirby Brown Yogi is my apparel brand, flexible clothing for melanated yogis. Um, 
and that's a fun thing. Check me out on Curvy Brown Yogi because the holidays are coming and if you want some gifts for Christmas, I have a lot of cute t-shirts and things like that. And I think that that's it. Shout out to the armed radio people who are out there in the global, global webiverse out there on the internets. Um, feel free to reach out to me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions or comments that you want to make, anything you want to talk about, this coming winter, the theme will be love and relationships all around the world. I'm going to be interviewing people from uh, Indonesia, Australia, the UK. Um, where else? I had a couple people from Canada. I have somebody from Brazil. I'm interviewing... Uh, experts and guests right now so if you are someone who wants to come on as an expert or a guest love and relationships around the world we're going to be talking about different modes of uh healing and finding love and creating love and how they relate to different cultures all around the world so that should be a fun and interesting topic that's going to be our wintertime theme all around the world same song and I guess that's it. We're at 8.57 already. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Thank you, everybody. If you come later on the, on the Facebook and you're watching on the Facebook, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for being here. Thank you for another really fun night. And I have had a great time. And I hope that you have had a great time, too. All right? So take care of yourself. Bye. Bye, Facebook people.